Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Nate, and this is Timeline Tapes, the podcast made by the YouTube channel Timeline. Here's where we take the documentaries from our channel and turn them into podcasts, so even if you can't watch them, you can still listen to them. Last week we learned about how H Company, the young men of the United States Marine Corps 5th Division, assaulted the South Pacific island of Iwo Jima and bore witness to the iconic moment the American flag was raised on Mount Suribachi. Now they face the final battle with the Japanese to force them off the north end of the island and conquer Iwo Jima for good. Among the voices you'll be hearing is Tony Call, who you may have heard on The Code of Silence and Star Trek, as well as many of the surviving veterans of H Company, recalling their experiences as young men, thrust into one of the most horrific engagements of the Second World War. The Marines paid a staggering price to plant that flag on Mount Suribachi. Over 5,600 Marines had been killed or wounded in the first five days. The men who had survived took some comfort in their victory on Mount Suribachi. You know, we thought it was over. They figured it was the end, with the flag up there, like that. What the Marines didn't know was that while they may have captured Suribachi, the Japanese still occupied miles of tunnels and caves that traversed the inside. Japanese Navy ensign Kiyoshi Endo the U.S. focused their cannon fire and bombing on Sarabachi. They transformed the shape of the mountain, blowing away a third of it. But unless the U.S. blew off the whole mountain, the Japanese could not be wiped out. H Company was ordered to push north and help take the airfields in the center of the island. February 19, 1945. Over 80,000 U.S. Marines stormed the beaches of Iwo Jima Island. It was the first U.S. invasion of Japanese territory, and the Japanese vowed to defend their homeland to the death. It had been more than three years since the Japanese launched an unprovoked sneak attack on the American naval fleet docked at Pearl Harbor. 
U.S. forces were locked in brutal combat in the Pacific, with a tyrannical enemy bent on world domination that had allied itself with Hitler and Mussolini. After five days of fighting on Iwo Jima, the U.S. flag was raised atop Mount Suribachi. But the Marines on the island feared the fighting was far from over. The Japanese continued to attack American forces from a fortified network of tunnels and caves concentrated in Mount Suribachi. Japanese ensign Kiyoshi Endo. Suribachi was conquered, but we still did a lot of damage to the Americans. General Kuribayashi's operation to go underground was effective. The Marines turned north towards the airfields in the center of the island. The fighting was ferocious. In the next three days, over 2,400 Marines were wounded or killed. Private First Class Jim Norton. You have visions of what combat might be like. We never thought we'd be in anything like this. The loss there was just unbelievable. It was hell on earth, that place. It was just unbelievable. The Marines discovered and captured hundreds of caves connected to tunnels. These caves explained how the enemy could remain invisible, yet continue to put up such deadly resistance. The Americans tried to use prisoners of war to convince the Japanese in the caves to come out. Many ultimately chose death over surrender. U.S. forces used flamethrowers to blast the caves and tunnels with napalm. Japanese Master Sergeant K. Kanai when we joined the service, we knew we would fight to the last drop of blood for our country. We had been taught that if we became POWs, we would be shot to death. There is no other choice. We went down in their caves, some, and went into a couple of them. Just give you a queasy feeling being in there, to be honest with you, you know, because you never know where they were going to come out or where they were. And um, we didn't stay in there too long. We just looked around to see if we could see any of them in there. I think then what we probably did was seal it off. Machine gunner Clay Coble provided cover for demolition experts as they used explosives to seal off caves, trapping the enemy soldiers who remained inside. I heard one trying to dig out all night long. I didn't get much sleep that night because I was afraid he was going to break through real near to where I was, my foxhole. So I really stayed alert. He was still digging when we went on. I, I don't, I doubt if he ever got out. As the battle moved into its second week, there were rare lulls in the fighting. 
giving the Marines a chance to rest and write home. All communication from the island was controlled. Letters home were kept short and vague. On a letter I wrote to my mother on February 26th, 1945, I said, Dear Mom, the fighting was fierce, but I came through all right. These have been eight hectic days. <laughs> I told my mother that we was fine and uh, I was on Iwo Jima, and uh, that's all I could write. That's all they'd allow us to write. And that, it was a real short letter. <laughs> After the days of fighting, home seemed a lifetime away, and so did a hot meal. The men were issued rations, which included cigarettes, crackers, and cans of meat. You want any of this? Dr. Thomas Brown discovered a style of cooking unique to Iwo Jima. We were in an area of uh, Iwo where the land was hot, and it was old volcanic soil. And we used to cook our rations in some of those steam vents that came up through the rocks from way down here someplace. Yeah. The accommodations were much better on the hospital ship anchored off the coast. On board, the wounded Marines got a reprieve from the harsh conditions on the island. But for many of the wounded men, their battle was not over. After three days on board, Private First Class Bill Nicholas got his orders. Having found out that this piece of shrapnel did not injure my eye, uh, basically I was announced capable to go back to the island. And so we did it again. We climbed over the side along with some uh, replacements that had been in that Hickens boat when it came up to the hospital ship. We climbed down and joined them and went back to the beach. Nicholas was sent back into the heat of the battle. His first mission was to locate his unit. It was no easy task. Marines were now spread across the width of the island. I finally walked up to and I recognized one of my Buddies and I said, well, it's H Company, and he said, well, you're in it. So I'm back with my group again. Twelve days into the battle, what remained of the 28th Marines H Company moved north to help secure the rest of the island. The 3rd and 4th Division had taken the 2nd Airfield, and H Company moved along their left flank. As the Marines closed in on the northern end of the island, fighting intensified. Japanese troops were becoming more and more desperate. We were up at the northern end of the island. Of course, our platoon headquarters was at rear of the line, which meant that when they came from our rear, we were all alone. All of a sudden, they come out. I mean, they come out fast. They were coming out running, shouting, waving their flags. Japanese ensign Kiyoshi Endo. When officers made their last assaults, they led the charge with their swords, charging into enemy fire. It was a matter of principle to charge into the enemy when they were going to die. 
was over probably in a short time, maybe five or 10 minutes. Never saw any other live ones after that at all. Yeah, I saw a lot of dead ones, but never any live ones. The Marines knew the Japanese would fight to the death. They had no regard for their lives, and I believe they felt it was an honor to die for their emperor. And that's not the way we felt, or it's not the way I felt. And they, they used very treacherous tricks when fighting. As long as any of them were living, they, uh, they would fight. One day, three came out, and they had their hands up real high. Had this little short stick with a, a white uh, flag or a rag or something on it that signify we're surrendering. And when they got out in the open, and uh, some got up to, you know, accept that surrender, he fell down, and he became a human... Uh, tripod, if you will, and they had a machine gun strapped on his back. Some of the Japanese would jump out with a hand grenade to the chest, and they would explode in, in midair. Even after death, the Japanese were dangerous. They would booby-trap their own dead because a lot of guys were looking for souvenirs. If you didn't get your own dead out of there pretty fast, they'd booby-trap them. So, I mean, you touched a body, you know, you'd be killed. U.S. military planners thought the Battle of Iwo Jima would last three to four days. But after two weeks of fighting, there was still no end in sight. Really, you feel hopeless when you're on there. You figure you're never going to get off. That's the way I felt. I thought we'd never get off of that thing, and uh, we didn't know where we were going to be, how we were going to end up, you know, because they were not giving up, that's for sure. Almost 12,000 Marines had either been killed or wounded. So you just wonder, with all the guys that are gone, you just have to figure somewhere along the line I'm going to get it. You know, you oftentimes you're a little more alone than you think you're going to be. The 28th Marines H Company was trying to advance northward beyond a place called Nishi Village. They were closing in on the new Japanese command center. And the fighting escalated. The Marines couldn't see the enemy, but suspected they were just over the ridge. We were protected by rocks and various other things, but we knew we had to go forward. And we were on the reverse slope of a hill. And one of our guys, I think, could see the enemy there, and he said, did anybody got any grenades? And I threw a couple to him. Hand grenades were the best way to soften the target before the Marines stormed over the ridge. The enemy also had grenades. You know, I didn't think it was a grenade. I don't know. It didn't look like it. Should have realized what it was, but I didn't. 
But after 14 days, you're not as alert as you were when you first got there. But the next thing I know, I got hit. It had been 14 bloody days since the Marines stormed the beaches of Iwo Jima. The 28th Marines H Company was pushing to the northern end of the island when the Japanese attacked them. The Marines had taken a small ridge, but the Japanese showed no signs of retreating. Private First Class Jim Norton's lower right leg was nearly severed by a hand grenade blast. The Japanese mounted a counterattack and pushed the Marines off the ridge. With no choice but to withdraw, they left the wounded Jim Norton in a crater until they could retake the ridge. PFC Norton was alone in no man's land. He was trapped between the two lines and in excruciating pain. I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like getting hit by a truck, I guess. But also, if you ever put your finger in a live socket, you know, you have that buzzing feeling. Well, that's the way your whole side felt, similar to that. And I do remember passing out. And how long I was out, I don't know. Corman Archie Williams would have to brave enemy fire to help Norton. What's up? What's up? Right over there. Doctor, there's a lot of heavy fire. You can't go. No. If Archie waited, Norton would bleed to death. So he made his way toward the Japanese to help his friend. It wasn't just a strange Corman coming up. I mean, I knew him. I mean, we'd lived with this guy for a year and a half. He was in my tent. So, I mean, we were real buddies. And I think he gave me a shot of morphine. I'm not positive. He was going to do other things, and he straightened up a little bit, and he said, ooh, I'm hit. I said to him, want me to give you a shot of morphine? He says, yes. I said, I don't know how. So he told me, and I did. And he said, I'm going back. I said, no, stay here. I said, they know where, where we are. They'll get us, you know. He said, no, I'm going I'm to go back. Now, his reason for going back would probably thought that he would bleed to death, that I possibly would. You stay here, you stay low, all right? So he did leave, even though I didn't want him to. I didn't want to be alone, I suppose. And as he went back, he saw another wounded Marine, maybe wounded from the same thing that hit me. Archie was shot again. This time, the wound was fatal. He was just an ordinary guy who you knew would do what he had to do. You know, and I guess Americans are like that. We do what we have to do when we have to do it, and that's what they did. But he was a great guy, and uh, he was gone just like that.
With Arky dead, PFC Norton was again alone in no man's land, bleeding heavily from his shattered leg. The pain was intense, I remember that, and I kept thinking, if I had a knife, I could cut that off and it wouldn't hurt so bad, which is ridiculous, but you know, you don't know what to think. I couldn't even move, because if I did, the sniper was all peppering that hole all the time right around where I was. So I just had to stay still and pretend I was dead. And I figured if I did, well, you know, I, I would be. I was out there all alone for a long time, probably 12 hours or more. And uh, then the sniper fire was gone, it got dark, and I called for help, I guess. They told me I did, I don't remember doing it. Help! The closest Marines were 50 yards away. At first, they weren't certain whether Norton's cries were a Japanese trick. Then, his close friend Jack Burns recognized his voice. Norton, is that you? I remember Jack Burns calling me and he says, keep talking so I can find you. So I did. Burns and I were friends, so he volunteered to go out. I'll go first. Cover me. To reach Norton, Sergeant Burns and the other Marines had to leave their cover and crawl into no man's land in full sight of Japanese positions. There were no trees left. I mean, there were just stumps or whatever was left of them after being blown around and found. They didn't know where they were going. Well, they took their life in their hands going out there to get me, no question about it. They should have got a medal for going out there because they were ahead of the lines, you know, at night. They always get their wounded and they even bring back their dead if they can. They didn't have even a stretcher, they had a shelter half, which is the piece of a tent that you put together when you two guys put it together for a pup tent. And they managed to get me into that. And all the time that we were going back, they were shooting flares down at us so they could see us. Both the Japanese and our own side was shooting flares. So every time those flares would go off, you have to stop, dump me on the ground, you might say, and get down so they couldn't be seen. I think they put me on a Jeep then and took me down to the um, aid station. Norton's friends had rescued him from the Japanese, but his life was still in danger. Navy doctor Thomas Brown. The aid station was not protected. Some doctors were shot. One was killed that I know of. It's the only one I ever heard of. And a few were injured to the point that they were out of action. 
Sometimes battle was intense. I remember we took care of 92 casualties in a period of about two hours. I'm not going to say what great heroes we were. We were taught in medical school to take care of the sick or injured. The Navy doctors could see that Norton's condition was critical. I guess they tried to straighten this thing out, my leg. And they asked me if I could feel it. I said no. Oh, yeah, okay. Chaplain, come here. A priest came over to me, too, and gave me the last rites. Well, I was pretty well gone by that time, you know. I'd lost a lot of blood. While Norton was fighting for his life, his fellow Marines continued pushing forward. After two weeks, the Marines had captured Iwo Jima's airfields at great cost. And the reason for taking the island was already becoming clear. The crew of a B-29 bomber called Dynamite was returning from a Tokyo bombing run. Its bomb bay doors were stuck open creating extra drag that depleted its fuel supply. The reserve fuel tank's valve was also stuck. While Marines were fighting in the northern end of the island, the damaged B-29 made an emergency landing. 30 minutes later, the repaired plane left Iwo Jima. Its crew of 11 was saved. From that point on, American supply planes routinely used the airstrips, even as bitter Japanese resistance continued in the northern tip of the island. With each step towards the enemy command center, the Japanese became more desperate. All the Japanese forces were now concentrated in the last square mile of the island. Corporal Wesley Plummer. We were on the north end of the island, and uh, we were hitting very heavy resistance from the Japanese. And they called for a machine gun. To cover the advancing Marines, machine gunners had to set up in an elevated and exposed position so they could lay down a field of covering fire. I knew how dangerous it was to set the machine gun up, but it was just part of uh, protecting given fire, fire protection to our uh, platoons. One man had already been killed in the area where Plummer needed to set up his machine gun. But he did not hesitate. So I climbed over the rocks and things and set the machine gun up. I could hear the bullets whistling around me. If Plummer's machine gun jammed or he got shot, his fellow Marines would be cut down by the Japanese. After weeks of fighting the Battle of Iwo Jima, Corporal Wesley Plummer took up a position where a machine gun crew had just been killed. The Marines were pinned down by Japanese fire. 
Corporal Plummer's machine gun fire would provide enough cover to allow the platoon to advance, if he could survive. We'd set a machine gun up where you could get maximum fire or give maximum protection, and you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about fellas you're protecting. I fired from that area for a couple of hours. Fortunately, I didn't get, wasn't hit. My fire and, and from mortars and other machine guns and so forth, why our company was able to advance and get across this ravine and up the other side. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to Timeline Tapes. We're hearing about H Company's final push for Iwo Jima to finally drive the Japanese off the island. As the battle wore on, some of the Marines took a break to enjoy an unexpected delivery. Private First Class Bill Nicholas. They did have mail call, and we thought that's a miracle to be on Iwo Jima and have this go on the way it is. And now they'll have a mail call. My letter was from uh, Dr. Alan P. Burkhart, the superintendent of schools. Hey, sir. More mail from the mainland? No, Sergeant. That's all we got today. Lo and behold, uh, I read the letter and what it said in it was that I was receiving, <laughs> being awarded uh, membership in the National Honor Society. But the bottom line, you might say, is that it told me that I was going to be granted my high school diploma. Congratulations. That's right, Tom. 
I took my helmet off and my baseball cap, which I had. I folded the leather up and put it between my uh, line on my helmet, put the baseball cap back on and put the helmet back on and that was that. So I, I had my high school diploma. Maybe someday it might do me some good, but it's uh, in the past as of now. After 23 days of fighting, Nicholas's high school classes seemed far away. The lessons he was now learning were a matter of life or death. Who goes there? You coming in, Lincoln and Maple. He thought he saw three Marines approaching his position. But one of them didn't look quite right. The leggings that you lace down over your trousers to make them tight against your boots, he had them on backwards. Most everybody at the same instant said, he's not a Marine. Three Marines shot him and the man was taken out of action. As they suspected, the man was a Japanese soldier disguised as a Marine. They couldn't let their guard down for a moment against an increasingly desperate enemy. The next morning, Bill Nicholas and his platoon continued their push northward. Toward uh, the middle of the day, we decided to, to move out. about oh, 40 or 50 feet in front of the place where we were. The men were walking into a trap. Japanese soldiers were hiding in a spider hole. It just took a few seconds. Uh, I got hit in the left arm. The two fellows in the middle were killed instantly. My uh, buddy had the uh, thumb of his left hand shot off. The Marines were trained to make sure enemy soldiers were dead before looking after their fallen colleagues. He said, oh, the other two fellows are gone. They're dead. I'll help you out. So he lifted me up and halfway carried me back to where he had been. And I don't remember very much except that I never had any pain, a lot of blood. Bill Nicholas was evacuated from the island. But this time, he would not return to the battle. As the Marines pushed closer to the northern tip of the island, they became bogged down in an area where the fighting was so fierce it was called Bloody Gorge. Japanese Imperial Army General Tadamichi Kurabayashi was in a desperate situation. 
His forces were running out of ammunition and water. Japanese Master Sergeant K. Kanai. Our physical condition had deteriorated. We were suffering from shortage of food and water. We did not have any new bandages, so we tore the uniforms from dead soldiers to wrap our wounds. With fewer than a thousand Japanese forces remaining, Japanese Master Sergeant K. Kanai carried a message to General Kurabayashi's headquarters. The communique was from Rear Admiral Ichimaru, requesting all the forces to join together at Taiten, on the northern edge of the island. He knew that it would be the last battle. Even though the Japanese troops were starving, they did not consider surrendering. But after weeks of fighting, the Japanese forces could not muster much resistance against the relentless advance of the Americans. The Battle of Iwo Jima neared its end when Marines uncovered what they believed to be General Kurabayashi's last hideout. March 26, 1945. After 36 days of fighting on Iwo Jima, U.S. Marines reached the final command bunker used by Japanese Army General Tadamichi Kurabayashi. Final! If General Kurabayashi and the last remaining Japanese command forces were inside, Corporal Wesley Plummer didn't believe they could have survived. Well, when they blew that up, it was the largest explosion and most noise I'd ever heard. Uh, I don't know how many thousands of pounds of powder that they put in it, but uh, it was it was really really a large noise, loud noise. Some Japanese believe General Kurabayashi may have been killed in a last stand with American forces, or may have committed suicide. His body was never found. For the Japanese, the end of the battle brought conflicting feelings. Japanese ensign Kiyoshi Endo. The young soldiers who were trembling with fright before the battle, ready to face certain death, cried with grief at the news. They were mortified by the defeat. The older soldiers only had an expression of relief. Some soldiers harbored deep resentment towards their leaders, specifically Prime Minister Hideki Tojo, Japanese ensign Seiya Oide. I will never forgive Tojo. He interrupted people in the direst distress, and he remained in Tokyo and lived in luxury. Even now, I will not forgive him. With the battle finally over, the Marines who fought to take the island were replaced with fresh forces. As they marched back to the beach, they passed a graveyard where thousands of their brother marines were buried. 
that whole area that we had fought in was they make it covered in white crosses. All the casualties on the island. During the 36-day battle, over 6,000 Marines died. We had memorial service for the 5th Marine Division. Very emotional. I felt real bad about all the fellows that were killed and all the friends that I'd lost and hoped that uh, there wouldn't be any more battles any place like the one we had just come finished up on Iwo Jima. During the battle, the 28th Marines H Company suffered an 82% casualty rate. This one company landed with 240 Marines and six Navy corpsmen. They left the island with only 43 men. It took some time for those men to grasp the fact that they had survived. Private First Class Clay Coble. Still, we were not real sure that everything was secure or the battle was over until we got aboard ship. As the island was disappearing, we felt more elated because we were off the island. We were not in any more imminent danger. Some of the troops just stood there at the rail and looked back at it, but I think most of us said the heck with it, we're through with that. And it doesn't amount to anything. And I had no desire to look back at it. It's just a lonely island out there in the middle of the ocean. When we got aboard ship, they had pork chops, gravy, mashed potatoes, and homemade roll, yeast rolls. That's the first food we'd had. The American Marines had been through 36 days of fighting. For many of the men, it was the first cooked meal they had eaten in days. Lordy goodness, that was good. That was real, real good food. Although the surviving Marines were on their way home, a remnant of Japanese forces remained on Iwo Jima. Japanese soldiers like Master Sergeant Kei Kanai hid out for months, finding food wherever they could. We snuck into enemy encampments to steal food. The Americans' rations were quite good compared to the Japanese military rations. Then one night, Master Sergeant Kanai heard a familiar voice. I heard someone calling my name. He was a seaman in the communication corps. He assured me that he would take me to a completely safe place. Therefore, I should come out of the cave. He asked me to give my handgun and my grenade to him. I handed them over. Since I didn't have the strength to pull myself out, I gave him my hand and he pulled me out of the cave. The Marines were waiting for him. 
I thought this would be the end of my life. We had been told that if we became POWs, we would be shot to death. Then the Marines helped me, and I was carried to the Marines post. Japanese Master Sergeant Cake and I was one of only about 250 Japanese troops taken prisoner. The remaining forces died in combat. Japanese ensign Kiyoshi Endo. The Japanese dead totaled over 20,000. On the other hand, the American death toll was over 6,000 and their injured were about 20,000. The number of deaths on the Japanese side was much larger because the Americans rescued and treated their injured. The Japanese soldiers who were injured could have survived if they were rescued, but that was not possible, so they all died. Because of the massive number of American wounded, injured Marines filled military hospitals all over the Pacific. Private First Class Jim Norton was treated in Guam. As soon as he was able, he asked a nurse to help him write home. Why don't we start with Dear Mom? The news was not good. Dear Mom, you have probably received my February 26th letter written in action and know how busy we were. You understand, I'm sure, that I could not write as often as usual, but you know that you'll always have my thoughts. I was very lucky at the time I wrote you. I wrote to you, but the going got tougher and I was wounded two weeks ago today. As I lie here thinking things over, I decided you would want to know what really did happen. A Jap mortar hit, and my right foot and ankle were broken, causing a compound fracture. Apparently, infection set in, and the doctors at the rear line aid station found it necessary to amputate my right leg. I'm very anxious to reassure you that I'm not worried about myself one bit, and I know how very lucky I am to be alive. And I'm looking forward to the day when I can be home with you for good. Goodbye now, God bless you, all my love, Jim. All the Marines who were physically able began to prepare for an even bloodier battle ahead. We got back on the ship and went back to uh, Hilo, Hawaii, and uh, went back to camp. We were getting ready to invade Japan. We felt that uh, you'd have to be real lucky to, if we landed on Japan, to survive. And I, I didn't have an optimistic view of uh, of that. I felt that uh, I'd used all my luck up on Iwo Jima. I figured it'd go on for years because of what we'd experienced at Iwo Jima, no giving up, you know, they wouldn't give up. So we figured they'd fight right down to the last. And to land on the, you know, the Japanese islands or something there, uh, we thought it would go be terrible. We didn't know about an atomic bomb, which is the real reason the war ended when it did. August 6, 1945, 
the United States dropped an atomic bomb on the Japanese industrial city of Hiroshima. And again three days later on Nagasaki. It is terrible to kill so many people with a single bomb. But at that time, Japan was prepared to continue fighting, even if all of the hundred million citizens were killed. Although I feel so sorry for the victims of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I believe that it is due to the sacrifice that people of Japan were saved. On September 2nd, 1945, the Japanese formally surrendered the war had claimed 300,000 American lives and over a million Japanese. The cost in human life was tremendous. But World War II was finally over. PFC Bill Nicholas. It's just a good feeling to know that hostilities had ended. We achieved our goal. The war's done. But now it's time to go back and be a civilian. The transition would not be an easy one for the men wounded on Iwo Jima. Well, they wanted to uh, take all the amputees from east of the Mississippi to the Philadelphia Naval Hospital, which was going to be a headquarters for amputees. It was a whistle-stop tour for the veterans and a chance for Americans to finally see the heroes of Iwo Jima. They said that they would stop in Chicago and my mother could come out and visit me on the train. And all the media were there, you know, newspaper photographers, so my mother and myself, our pictures were in the Tribune, the Sun-Times, all kinds of, there was about seven papers in Chicago at the time, so they were in all of them. But it was great to see her. After all that time, I'd been gone for several, couple of years. The Marines received a warm welcome in Chicago, but the journey ahead would be difficult for the gravely injured men, and they were not ready for what happened when they stopped in a town in Pennsylvania. The men and women who came out to meet the train were not prepared to see the price that was paid for a little island that many of them had never heard of before. I mean, that was a sight that nobody wanted to see, all these young guys getting off with legs gone and arms gone, and it was a shock to them all. So they just turned and went back in the station. They just couldn't take it, you know. I can't blame them for that. Many Americans were overwhelmed by the evidence of what these young Marines suffered on Iwo Jima. But for the fighting men of H Company, the extreme sacrifice was necessary. We were all young, gung-ho Marines, and uh, we wanted to fulfill uh, the things that we were taught to do. And I think we did a good job of it on Iwo Jima. For his bravery under fire, Wesley Plummer was awarded the Silver Star. For helping destroy an enemy mortar position, Charles Johnson was also awarded the Silver Star because he made the ultimate sacrifice to save Jim Norton and one other Marine. Jack Archie Williams was posthumously awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. 
freedom doesn't come free. A lot of people think that it does, and uh, but that's not right. We had to fight for it, and uh, we'll probably have to continue to fight for our freedom over the years. This freedom is it's a costly thing. It doesn't come cheap. And I'd do it again. I'd enlist in the Marine Corps again. I'm proud to have been a part of it. And uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take a thing for it. I, I, I need the money, but I wouldn't take a million dollars for it. Because of the tremendous sacrifice they made for the symbol of that freedom, many of the men never looked at the American flag the same way again. I have a tough time at, at hockey games. We go to hockey games real often. And when they play the national anthem or sing the national anthem, it, it's not hard for me to cry. That flag to me really means something. I get pretty upset when I see on TV or read about it in the paper people destroying or burning an American flag. I've never been present when that has occurred. I just hope I am never present because uh, that would be hard for me to take to see some burning our flag because uh, so many lives have been lost with that freedom. We had a pack before we went in, the boys or men of my squad, and that was, if we come out of this alive and good, uh, don't feel guilty about those that did not make it. You go about living a life and don't waste it. Thanks for listening to Timeline Tapes. That's it for our series on Iwo Jima and the Boys of H Company. Next week, we explore some of the prevailing secrets and mysteries of the Black Sea. And if you want to relive the story of the last two episodes, you can watch it back on our YouTube channel, along with hundreds of other documentaries. If you want to reach out to Timeline Tapes, you can email us at timeline at little.studios.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Those are both at TimelineWH. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and write a review, too. I've been Nate Fisher. This has been Timeline Tapes. Let's go down in history together.